So today we are in Psalm 100, and if that passage of scripture looks quite familiar to you, it's probably because every Sunday when we come together for worship for the last few months, we have been uh, reading um, Psalm 100 together as our call to worship, and and, and you know, and it's uh, it's the psalm that we use. It's a very famous psalm for that. It's often used for the call to worship. And, and I thought, you know, it would be, it'll be good, you know, uh, obviously to talk about worshiping God, just the importance of giving thanks and giving worship and why do we worship and all that. But also, you know, as we sing something or as we, we recite something every Sunday, I thought it would be very good for us to think about, well, what is this psalm even about? You know, well, why do we, you know, pick this psalm as a call to worship? And so I wanted to talk a little bit about Psalm 100 today. Um, the way, you know, the way the Psalms work, if you look at just the mid to the late 90s, Psalm 95, you know, onwards, you, you'll see passages uh, on on worship. And, and Psalm 100, in many ways, it, it's like a summit, right? It's like the climax where it just really reminds us why why we give thanks, why we worship God, uh, reminding us that obviously that He is good, uh, reminding us of His love, His faithfulness. and. And it's just a, it's a joyous, it's a, it's a grateful, it's just a wonderful psalm. And as we think about Psalm 100, you know, I, I'm reminded of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And, and I remember uh, when I used to be a youth pastor, right, every, every year, a couple times a year, I used to do baptism confirmation classes with, uh, with the students. And we would actually go over some of the, the catechisms and the first question is, what is the chief purpose, right? What is the chief end of man? I guess would be the right way to phrase it. What is the chief purpose of our lives? What is the chief end of man? That's the first question. And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I'm sure that sounds familiar to many of you. And it's a good reminder that we, we are called to glorify God, to give him glory. We're, we're, our lives are about worshiping him. And as we worship him, as we glorify him, we, we are to enjoy him. Uh, I think John Piper puts it, uh, he puts a little spin on it himself where he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That is a good way of putting it. Uh, as we glorify God, as we, as, we, as we honor him, as we exalt him, as we worship him, we are truly satisfied in him. And I think it's a, it's a good reminder that we're called to worship God. And so this is a psalm about giving thanks, a psalm about worship. And when we think about the word worship, you know, what, what is worship? I think one way of putting it is to say, when I worship God, it, it's seeing, it's being affected by what God is worth, right? Where I'm seeing, I'm affected, I'm in awe of God, I see his glory, I see his glory, I'm affected by it. And then in response, I am giving all that I am because of his word. Right, so, so I'm affected by God. I see Him. I'm in awe of Him, and and I respond by giving Him back all, uh, giving Him all that I have, right? all that I am, right? because of His worth. Uh, another way of putting that might be that worship responds with all that we are to all that God is. Right, it's offering our whole selves, our minds, our emotions, our will in obedient service to him as we are motivated by the beauty of who God is in himself. And so we, we worship God. Uh, we, 
We see his glory. We see his worth. We see his beauty. We see his splendor. You know, we sing songs like, how great is our God. Um, and then even today, we're just saying, here I am to worship, right? As we look at the light of the world, right? Who, who came into this world of darkness, as, as we think about how, what he did for us on the cross, right? We'll, we'll never know just how, how difficult it was for him on the cross, right? Because he paid the price for us. We see his love, we see his beauty. We're, in just, um, we're just amazed by him and we just respond with worship. And so it's, it's important for us as God's people, right? If, if we are God's people, if we are God's children, if we are Christians, if we, if we are followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, it is so important that we every day see his beauty, see his splendor, and that we respond every day with thanksgiving, with grateful hearts, and with worship. So, so how do we worship? How am I called to worship God? And, and this passage talks about it. It says, to make a joyful noise to all the earth, to serve the Lord with gladness, to come into his presence with singing. And, and the first thing I want to really highlight here, how do I worship God? I do it with joy. I do it with gladness, Right? It says in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So what is he saying? He's saying when you worship God, I don't worship begrudgingly. I don't worship because I just have to. I want to do it with joy. Now that's not to say, hey, I don't feel good today. I don't feel like worshiping, so I don't care about worshiping God. That's not true. Obviously, he deserves our worship, so we should worship him whether I feel like it or not. However, Ideally, what we want is to not just worship him because I feel like I'm supposed to. No, I'm committed to worshiping him, of course, but I worship him because he is beautiful. I worship him because he is so good, and I do it with joy. Just make a joyful noise, right? Not a, not a forced noise, a joyful noise to the Lord, all of the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness come into his presence with singing and the idea is with joy right with joy with thanksgiving enter his gates with thanksgiving his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name what is he saying he is saying worship him with joy worship him with grateful hearts worship him with gladness serve him with gladness be thankful and again how can i not because our worship of God is not, hey, I have to do a bunch of things for God so he can bless me. That, that is not what the Christian life is about. No, what is the Christian life about? It's I am blessed. I have been blessed. God loves me so much. He has shown me grace, his amazing grace in my life. And because of his grace, this sinner, right, this sinner who deserves nothing but death and condemnation, this sinner right here who is dead in his trespasses and sins, this sinner, who has fallen short of the glory of God. This sinner has been forgiven. This sinner right here has been saved. I look at God's love, his faithfulness, his graciousness. I think about Christ and his work on the cross, how he came into this world for a sinner like me, how he died. For me, he took my place. As I think about grace, love, as we think about our Father in heaven, as we think about Christ, our Savior, think about the Holy Spirit in our lives, and, just, and I'm just, just amazed by his grace, and I'm just moved by his love. 
what happens? I have joyful heart. I have a thankful heart. I have a grateful heart. And, and to be honest, sometimes it's hard, it is hard to be joyful. Why? Maybe because life is burdensome. Maybe because there are so many things going on that's so difficult. And I think that's why it's important during those times that, yes, our circumstances may be hard, but that we have a joy that's, that transcends circumstances. I think about the Apostle Paul where he says he's content in all circumstances. Where he talks about joy as he's writing the book of Philippians and he's in prison and yet he's calling people to rejoice. And he keeps talking about joy and he's in, he's in prison. How do you do that? And it's because his joy is in Christ. It's not on circumstances. And that's not to say our circumstances sometimes are so difficult that you know, as we cry, as we are so burdened, yeah, it, it can be hard to be joyful even in the Lord. And yet I think it's those times where we need to even more so cling on to Christ, that even the difficulties of our lives, we're able to find joy in Christ. Because if even if everything in my life might be shaken, He will not be shaken. Even if nobody else in my life seems to be faithful, he will be faithful. And we just cling on to Christ and we worship him with joy, with thanksgiving, because we know he will never leave. He will never forsake us. We know that nothing can separate us from his love. But sometimes, to be honest, we, we lack joy, we lack thanksgiving in our worship just because of our sins, because of our idolatries, because maybe some sin is so precious to us, or we have certain idols in our lives, certain treasures that are not God, that we cling on to so much, and maybe those things suck the joy out in our worship. And I think it's important also that we repent with with godly sorrow, where we repent, and we repent before the Lord, and where we say no to our idolatries and we cling on to Christ knowing that we cannot treasure both God and whatever idol we have and we just say, Lord, you are better than all of these things. And I don't want to worship, you know, the things in this world that I cling on to, whether it be my money or my status, right? Or, you know, the things that I feel like are so important to me, but I want to cling on to you. And I want to find my rest in you. And I want to worship you and be joyful and be grateful. And we think about how do we worship God? Yes, with joy, with glad hearts, with thanksgiving. But it says here, you know, to make a joyful noise to the Lord, which obviously is talking about, you know, just, just shouting and, you know, obviously singing maybe loudly. Just really just, I'm so moved by him, right, that I, I need to just let him know. How great he is! It's, it's. I think it's kind of the idea of maybe a king coming in from triumph, and when people are just shouting for joy, you know, I, I think of, you know, I think of maybe not so much these days because of this pandemic, but I think of maybe you know you go to an arena during uh, during a, a a sporting event, and you see here the fans just shouting in excitement, right? Or maybe some people are at a concert, and and again they're, they're shouting in excitement. There's a certain joy there. But those things, they pale in comparison to worshiping God. When we see his splendor, his majesty, his beauty, his love, we just, we shout for joy. We make a joyful noise. And it says here, to serve the Lord with gladness, but also just to come into his presence with singing. And I think that's, that's important because we see this idea of 
worship corporately, right? To come into his presence, right? He's saying to gather together, right? Uh, in the Old Testament, probably gathering, you know, perhaps in the temple, right? Just to worship God. So there's this idea of gathering and coming into his presence, right? Corporately singing together, right? Verse for entering his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks and bless the same. So there is truly an idea here that we, we come together and as Christians, we know that we are called to gather together. We come together every Sunday to, to worship him, right? To, to praise him, to bless his name with singing, with joyful hearts. And that is so important. And God is pleased when his people come together to worship him. That's not it. It says in verse 12, also to serve the Lord with gladness. And so there's a sense where it is not just worship. It's not just, hey, we all come together to worship him, which is so important. Right? We come together to sing songs, to praise his name, and I was to hear the word of God and to be moved by, by the gospel, right? To see it, to be affected again by what God is worth and just to respond to give him all that we are because of his word, but also there's a sense that all of life is also worship. I think in Romans 12, 1, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, I appeal to you by the mercies of God, right? To offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Right? Our bodies are to be offered to God as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, pleasing to God, for this is our spiritual worship. So there's a sense where all of our lives or worship. You know, our deeds of service to others, our, our deeds of service to God, they, they, they are priestly sacrifices. They're, they are, they're, they're our worship. And so we want to conduct every part of our daily life for Him. And we want to say, since God is most important, glorious, He is the most important person, most glorious thing in my life, how should I be acting and living in this area of my life right now? Where we are called to serve Him as we live our lives for his glory, every part of our lives, our work life, our school life, our family life, right? Our, 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 you know, just times of even relaxation, times of doing hard work, everything I do, um, just fellowshipping, it, it is all worship to him. I want to serve God. And, and as I serve God, I serve others. I love God, but I love my neighbor. I bless them in different ways as I represent Christ to them, as I show Christ to them, as I become a witness for Christ to them. And as I share Christ through my words, through my deeds. And so we are called to come into his presence as the body of Christ, to worship him together, but also in living my life every day, every minute of every day. What do we do? We, we worship him. And so I want to encourage us. How do we worship God? Well, we do it with joy, with gladness, right? With thanksgiving. But also, we, we, we worship God as we come together with joy as the body of Christ, giving glory to him. But uh, we also, every day, individually, in the way I live my life, I am a living sacrifice. I'm saying, Lord, I am no longer living for myself, but I want to live for your glory. I want to live for you and for you alone. And I want that to be my worship to you. So if that's how I worship God. Well, why? 
why do I worship God? Right? Well, why do I worship God? And, and I think the psalmist here is also uh, very, very helpful in that. If you look at the passage in verse 3, he writes, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And we're we reminded of who God is. Well, we obviously, we have to know Him. And I think that's important that as we as we worship, that we know who we're worshiping. And I think it is so important that we 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 know God, that we know about Him as you study about Him through sermons, through the reading of Scripture, and our daily devotions and meditations, through through Bible study and things like that. But also, it's important that we know Him as we have a relationship with Him, as as through our again through our devotional life, through our prayer lives, that we just come to closer to God. But as we know that the Lord, He is God, and as if you look at the the word Lord, there it's all. All capitalized, and I think we hopefully know that when we when we see that, it's talking about Yahweh, right? Israel's covenant God, our covenant faithful God, and so he's saying, know that the Lord, He is God, He is our God who is faithful to us. You know, we we talked we've talked this summer about you know God's covenant with Abraham, God's covenant with David. We see how faithful God is, and He is the God who is who is our God. Our faithful covenant, faithful God, the Lord, He is God. But who is God? He He made us, and we are His. I worship God because He made us. He is my Creator. He created everything. He made it good, right? He created everything in this world, but also not just in the sense of everything is created by Him because He is all powerful Creator. But He also made us. We are His people. We have been created by God. We don't even exist without God. It's by God's grace I am here, but we belong to him. We are his. Why? Because we've been bought with the blood of Christ. And so how awesome is that? Knowing that I am not here by an accident. I'm not here as just, you know, something that's kind of came to be. No, God has a plan for my life. He has made me. He has made me. And we are his. We belong to Him. How amazing it is that my all-powerful, my all-loving God, that I am His. I belong to Him. And so I worship Him. But not only that, it says here, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Right? We are His people. We are His. And we're the sheep of His pasture. And I think automatically when, when you read that, you think of, at least I think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, meaning there is nothing that I need that will be withheld from me. I shall not want, right? I will lack nothing. Now, that doesn't mean he will give me whatever I want, right? Because the things that I want might not be things that I need, but whatever I truly need. God will provide. He is my provider. But if he is my shepherd, not my sheep, I also know that not only is he my provider, he is my protector. Right? Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He is my protector, but also he is going to lead me. He is going to guide me like the shepherd leads his sheep. He will guide me in paths of righteousness. He will provide for me, give me everything I need, starting with forgiveness. 
right? His grace I have been saved. And again, we think about John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We think about what does Jesus do? As the good shepherd, he lays down his life willingly for the sheep. So what do I know? Not only did God make me, God make us. We belong to him. We are his people. We are his sheep. He is my shepherd. And we've seen in the New Testament that Christ is our good shepherd and our good shepherd, our savior. What did he do? Because he loved us so much. He actually laid down his life for us. So not only is God my creator, he is my redeemer. I worship him because he deserves worship. He is the creator, created everything, including myself. He has always shown me grace, but also, what do I know? That God the Father sent his son to die for a sinner like me, that Christ himself, our good shepherd, he laid down his life for us, his sheep, that he went to the cross. Not forced, no, willingly, lovingly, he chose with love for his sheep to lay down his life, to die the death that we deserve, to suffer the hell that we deserve. He was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. And so as you think about that, how can I not worship him? And, and we see in John chapter 10 that no one can snatch us out of the Father's hands, meaning we are his sheep and nothing will remove us from being his sheep. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. What he started, he will complete. And so here's what we know. Yes, Christ died for us. He's loving us right now, blessing us every day, guiding us, providing for us, protecting us, feeding us. But that he will always be with us. And then he has a home in heaven prepared for us. And we'll spend eternity with him. And so as we think about all of these things, he made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Again, what do we do? We continue to worship him. We continue to glorify his. We continue to serve the Lord with gladness because we are excited to praise him. We are excited to worship him. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his course with praise. We give thanks to him. We bless his name. And then look at verse 5. We get more reasons. Not only what he has done, but the Lord is good. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Right? He loves us so much. His steadfast love. It's not for just today. It's not just for tomorrow. It endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. He is good, he loves us, and he is faithful to us. I mean, as you, as you think about these things, how can we not be amazed? You know, you know, I think when we live life, sometimes we get a little cynical. And when we meet people, you know, they're very nice to us, they seem very kind. Sometimes we wonder, hey, you know, are you, are you good to me? Because you really like me, because you love me, because you care about me, or are you just good to me because you, you want something out of this, out of this friendship or relationship? And when it comes to the Lord, we, we don't need to ever be cynical, right? Because he is good. See, good can be a relative term because all of us are sinners. So when we meet another person, even if they're a good person, it's, it's relative because they're, they're sinful. Even redeemed sinners, even Christians, they're, you know, they're, they're still struggling with sin. So you realize 
when we say somebody is good, it's a relative term, except when it comes to God. He is good. He is good. He is only good. He is the epitome of good. He's ultimately good, and everything he does for us is good. And how awesome is that? That every good and perfect gift comes from God. But also when we live our lives, and sometimes life is so difficult, sometimes we're so confused. Why do these things have to happen? And sometimes we say, God, why? But here's what we know. The Lord is good, meaning that as long as God is in control over our lives, which he is, as long as God is sovereign, which he is, we know. Wherever life takes us, because God is good, he is also working for our good, right? Romans 8, 28, that God works for the good of those who love him. So we don't have to doubt that. Even when life gets so difficult, we don't have to doubt that. There have been times in my life where I ask God, why? Why? Why does it have to be like this? Why, why can't it be like this? And in my very finite, very small wisdom, I think this is the better way. I don't understand why this is happening but every time that happens, I cling on to God's promises. And I am reminded that God is good, that God works for the good of those who love him. And I'm reminded that God, who would not spare his own son, what would he withhold from me? And then I just say, Lord, I don't know. I don't get it. But I trust in your love and your goodness. And that's what we see here, for the Lord is good. So I trust you. I'm thankful to you. I worship you even when I don't understand. And not just are you good, you love me. And your steadfast love endures forever. How awesome is that? Again, sometimes with people, we, we get scared when we do something bad or we disappoint people. Are they going to still love me? Are they going to still be committed to me? And we never have to doubt that with God. We don't doubt his goodness, but we don't doubt his love. Again, God is love. And so if somebody loves me, it is a limited love. Even love for my parents, even love from our spouses, right? Even love from our children, our friends. I mean, there's, there's, their love is not perfect, but God's love is perfect. It is his steadfast love, which endures for He will always love me. And so I know that he's in control over my life. He is good. He's working for my good. He is loving me, and he will always be faithful. He will never leave me, never forsake me. He will always walk with me every day of my life. And one day, one day, I'll be with him for eternity in paradise. And as we think about all of these beautiful things, how can we not worship him? So I want to just really encourage us today as we think about, again, the Lord, who is God, who made us, as we remind that we are his people, we are the sheep of his pasture, that he is our great shepherd, guiding us, providing for us, protecting us, loving us. As we remind that the Lord is good, that his love endures forever, his faithfulness to us. Let us worship him. Let us make a joyful noise to the Lord. Let us serve him with gladness. Let us come into his presence with singing. Let us say, Lord, I want to gather together with the people of God. We want to come together and sing songs of praise. We want to shout for joy. We want to just enter with praise and thanksgiving and just worship you together as the body of Christ. But also every day as I live my life, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. I want my daily life to reflect Christ. And I want my life 
just to glorify you, to praise you. And as I do these things, I want to do it with joy as I reflect upon your grace and love every day. And I really pray, Lord, that my life would truly be pleasing and honoring to you. I pray for those things, for myself, for our church. And we just give glory to him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We love you and we 